Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for who you are, Lord, to us. Thank you for all of the enormous facets um, and adjectives that we could use of who you are in our life. You are faithful and kind and present and wise and good. Lord, I pray that this morning um, you use your word to encourage us where we need to be encouraged and convict us, Lord, to, um, to hear you where we need to. We love you. Amen. So 2022 is the year of the gospel of Matthew. If you have been here for any Sundays, um, one of the other pastors counted, and um, this is our 29th message on the book of Matthew. And it, to me, is as alive today as it was when we started, and I, I have a strong feeling that at the end of the year, it will still be that alive. But we're starting a new series this morning, and it is called The Kingdom of Heaven, which is a pretty big concept, but it's one that mattered deeply to Jesus. It mattered to him so much that he talked about the kingdom of heaven more than anything else. And that piqued my interest. We'll be reading from Matthew 13 this morning. And actually this whole series, it's four weeks, will be just on Matthew 13. So we'll start with verse 1 today. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake which sounds pretty awesome, doesn't it? I don't know if anybody else was able to do that this week or sat by a pool, but I love how human that makes Jesus. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables. When I was maybe six or seven, I went to vacation Bible school at Zion Reform Church. I remember sitting in a basement classroom that smelled like saltines and Kool-Aid. There was a flannel, a flannel graph of Jesus sitting by a lake, and the teacher told us that a parable was an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Now, she did a pretty good job of helping me remember that because now, nearly 40 years later, when I hear the word parable, I time travel back to that damp basement. But what really is a parable? Sure, there's truth that it is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, but there's something so much more, something deeper and richer. A parable is a simple story that provides a profound lesson or teaching, something to connect that truth to both our heart and our head. Through the weaving of parables in his ministry, Jesus gives us over and over these precious, deep, and everlasting truths. Verse 10. So we read the first three. Jesus went outside, sat in the lake, and he told a parable. So next week we'll look at that parable. So after that parable that he told, the disciples came to him and they said, Why do you speak to the people in parables? Which is a pretty, pretty fair question, I would say, because even as a lover of stories, it's one I've wondered. At least a third of Jesus' teachings are in the form of parables. Parables are an invitation to us for further inquiry, to study and to wrestle with the story. Jesus was an incredible storyteller, 
who painted vivid word pictures, weaving deeper meanings into his teachings. Jesus told the parables in such a way for his hearers to wrestle, to visualize, and to remember. Jesus hoped that it would take root deep in their heart. And in the majority of these stories, Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God using images, um, pictures, and metaphors of agriculture, like seeds and planting. So all the parables in Matthew 13 are about that. And the reason he did was because in ancient times, that's what people were familiar with. So Jesus told stories to meet them where they were. In the coming weeks, we're going to dive into those stories about seeds and plantings. But today, we're honing in on the kingdom message of Jesus to experience it and what it means for us. Why do we want it to be near? So near that he taught his disciples to pray for it. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So near that Jesus says earlier in Matthew, seek first the kingdom above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. So let's work this morning to answer that question. What even is the kingdom of heaven? Why does it matter to Jesus? And why should it matter to us? And let's work too to answer the question that the disciples asked. Why do you speak in parables? One CPR trainer mentioned that in every class he teaches, he asks the question, what is it that you want if you are responding to a life-threatening emergency? And people will probably answer an AED. I knew what an AED was, but I had no idea what AED stood for. It's an automated external defibrillator which, not knowing what it stood for, goes to my point. Do you know what it does, how it works? So here's the thing about an AED. Most people have heard of the equipment. They've seen it from a distance. They've heard the letters. They might not know what it means. We even have one in this little room right off the sanctuary. People know they probably want it near them if they're in a life-threatening emergency. And they may even be able to articulate at a surface level what it does, that it shocks you. But beyond that, what it really does, how it works, what's happening in the body, almost nobody can tell you that. And we have all kinds of things like that in our lives. You're familiar with the language, you kind of understand the idea, but you don't truly understand it. You don't know how a combustion engine works, but you turn the key and your car starts. You don't know how the electoral college really works, but you cast your vote for a president every four years. Every four years, I Google that. You'd think I would retain it. You have no clue how the stock market works, but you get a statement on your retirement every year. So there's all kinds of topics in our lives that we participate with or are familiar with but we really don't understand it. So upon reflection this week, it's interesting to me 
that one of these topics is something that Jesus talked more about than anything else. This one topic, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus spent most of his time talking about it, and my guess is that most of us don't have a clear understanding of what that really is or how it works. The phrase kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven appears more than 80 times in the New Testament Gospels, almost always from the lips of Jesus. Over 80 times in four books. Yet how often do we as believers discuss God's kingdom and keep it on the forefront of our hearts and our minds? And I think one of the reasons we don't talk about God's kingdom as much as we should is because we don't fully understand it. But it matters to Jesus, and so it should matter to us. Now, if you think of the term kingdom of heaven, a lot of us just think it's a place up there somewhere, a place where we go when we die, heaven. But when Jesus is proclaiming news about the kingdom of heaven, he's not just sharing news about heaven where believers will live someday after they die. He's proclaiming news about where we live right here, right now. This is a super simple, kind of a silly example, but think of it this way. How many of you remember the candy now and later? You, it's like that fruit-flavored, taffy-like candy. You eat it now, and it gets stuck in your teeth, so you work it out later. I'm like, I, don't, I don't know why it's called that, but... So here's the description of a now and later. Bright, bold, long-lasting flavor that you can enjoy now and later. Right? It's a super simple, but it kind of gives the picture, and I bought some so you guys can take some on the way out. But the kingdom of heaven that Jesus is referring to is now and later. We get to enjoy it now in part on earth to be a part of it, and we can experience it later in its fullness when Jesus returns for us. It's now when we see the goodness of God in a baby's drooly, toothless smile. It's when we see a prodigal daughter coming home. It's when we see a man's gesture of deep kindness to a stranger. It's now when we're blown away by a sunset or the mountains or the sound of Lake Michigan. It's now when we have a conversation with someone that reminds us of something of the beautiful character of God. The grandness is now in part, and later it will be grand in its glorious fullness. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The kingdom of heaven is now. And in John, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. The kingdom of heaven is later. 
Now, let's look deeper at the word kingdom. We can easily get confused by the language gap in that word because in everyday English, if you think of the word kingdom, it essentially means a place where a king reigns. So there's really no kingdom without a king. So when, what do we mean when we say those Christian-y things like it's for the kingdom or we're going to give to further God's kingdom or we're going to make disciples for kingdom impact? Those phrases clearly aren't just talking about later when we die, but it's right here and now. And interestingly, the last part of the word kingdom, D-O-M, so dom in Latin, forms a noun that signifies the state or the condition of something. So if we take freedom for an example, it's not a place, it's a state of being free. Wisdom, a state of being wise. Parents with kids out of school, your kids might already be suffering from boredom, a place of being bored. Kingdom is a state or a condition of being ruled. It's an activity. It's not a location. But why are there kingdoms? They're for bringing order. They're for bringing peace. They're for bringing a safe place for people to dwell. If you are bringing the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, you are bringing the rule and the reign and the peace of God here. You're bringing the fulfillment on earth of God's will. And this, friends, is the kingdom work from the beginning of time. The kingdom of heaven begins in Genesis and runs throughout the Bible all the way to Revelation. It's not only the prominent theme of Jesus. This kingdom theology is woven all throughout the scripture. In the New Testament, Jesus, at the very beginning of his ministry, it says Jesus went through all the towns and villages preaching the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And in Matthew 4, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Over 80 times. This is Jesus' number one message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. People who were around Jesus, helping him in ministry or being in ministry, they understood it too. His cousin, John the Baptist, his message was almost exactly the same. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The word for near is the same word that's used in other places in the Bible to describe how a husband and wife come together on their wedding night. In other words, to come near doesn't mean six feet away. It means to come as intimately close as you possibly can. So when you hear that it's near, it's right here. It's now. Jesus says it. John the Baptist says it. And it's the message that Jesus gives his disciples to proclaim as well. And Jesus sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And then there's the Apostle Paul. He went out as a missionary for Jesus. And what does he talk about? Yup, you guessed it, the kingdom of heaven. 
In Acts 19.8, we read, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. The people who took Jesus seriously, who trusted him, who believed him, who understood him, carried his number one message with them in their hearts and in their own message. And yet, for so many of us, we have to fumble around for the words if we were to talk about it. Arguing persuasively for three months like Paul, it would be hard to define it for us sometimes, right? Much less persuade someone to believe. So here's the question I want to answer today. If Jesus talks so much about the kingdom of heaven, why don't we? As I've thought about this this week, I wonder if the couple reasons that we don't understand and discuss the kingdom, if there are a couple of those reasons. I want to look at those this morning, and I want to challenge us to change the way we participate in what Jesus talks about. Truth one, the kingdom is not clear enough for us. I wonder if the first reason we don't talk about the kingdom as much is because it isn't really spoken like a set of instructions. The kingdom doesn't feel specific enough for us. Jesus isn't necessarily always clear about what he says it is. When he talks about it, he talks about it in parables. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a sower who goes out to plant a seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant or a landowner. The kingdom of heaven is like the man who sold all he had to buy a field. Or the kingdom of heaven is like a woman who swept her entire house for a few lost coins. So none of those necessarily seem to correlate. Jesus speaks a lot about the kingdom of heaven, but he doesn't spell out a clear definition of what it is. So it's no wonder we sometimes can have a hard time talking about and understanding the kingdom. We are not the only ones who have trouble, right? Let's go back to Matthew. Remember, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? Jesus replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you and not to them. Knowledge. When we translate that word from the original Greek language, it means to know properly, especially through personal experience. That is not how I thought about knowledge. To know through personal experience that thought really changed things for me. I love history, so much so, so that the last three years we've gone to Missouri for a basketball tournament, I always look at the brochures that the hotel has for Wilson's Creek Battlefield. Every year I take one, I read it, I look at the pictures, I try to talk my kids into going, I want to go. I could tell you a few things about what the brochure said, it was the furthest battle fought in the Civil War west of the Mississippi. That the Wilson family lived on the property and they watched the battle come closer and closer to their house. 
right? Those are interesting facts. But I didn't experience it until this year. My brother came down, and I talked him and Gabe into going with me. I finally got to experience Wilson's Creek, experience that moment in history. I walked through the museum. I saw the weapons. I saw the bullets, the tin cups, the crumpled letters, the pictures of their sweethearts from back home. I got to walk on the worn porch of the Wilson's home that overlooked that battlefield. I got to look into their windows and I saw the root cellar where the women and children hid when the battle got too close. I got to walk on the battlefield and I experienced that picture of Wilson's Creek Battlefield for myself. So knowledge is something we come to know through our experience. When we experience something, we change. It changes us. That battle became alive. It wasn't just a brochure for me anymore. And that is why Jesus doesn't talk about the kingdom of heaven as a bullet list of do's and don'ts or qualifications or criteria. Because the kingdom of heaven isn't something you just talk about because you read the book. The kingdom of God is something you talk about because you experience it. So Jesus tells those parables to those who are listening, and he invites them to experience the mysteries of what is being talked about. I love what the late philosopher and scholar Dallas Willard says about parables. He says, it's a form of communication that goes around the head to get to the heart, to experience it. That's why Jesus tells parables, so we can experience the kingdom of heaven. Because parables are an invitation to ask good questions, to investigate, and to wrestle Jesus doesn't just spit out an answer. He wants to engage with you in thinking about the kingdom. He wants you to recognize when you are experiencing the kingdom. He wants you to know that the kingdom is something that we participate in together, partnering with him in this, something that roots deep down in our hearts he wants kingdom living to be our state of being, not just something we know a little bit of information about. The next three weeks, we'll give all kinds of examples about what that all looks like. But today, we need to put handles on the kingdom as we experience it and participate in it. Jesus is inviting us to participate in the kingdom here and now. I wonder if we don't talk about the kingdom is because we are looking to understand it more than we are to experience it. Another reason that I think we think the kingdom of heaven is all about what is to come later rather than what's beautiful and meaningful and worth experiencing and sharing right now 
is that we think the kingdom of heaven is about something later. We go back to Jesus' words um, in verse 12. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and in turn, I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and hear what you hear, but did not hear it. So if you read that in your Bible, there's a, probably a footnote that references that this comes straight out of Isaiah chapter 6. Jesus is quoting part of chapter 6 in order to reference all of it. And because he was speaking to the Jews, they knew what Isaiah said. And Jesus stopped just before the part he wanted his listeners to remember on their own. Isaiah 6, 9 through 13, it's so similar. He said, go and tell this, people. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. This people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. This is what he wanted them to remember. Then I said, for how long, Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitants, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. This prophecy is all about how God will cut and prune and shape things in our hearts and lives until there's new growth, until we're new. This prophecy is about the Holy Seed, which is the Messiah, Jesus, who will come from that stump of old. Jesus uses the language of agriculture to meet them where they were. The planting, the cultivating, cutting, and pruning trees, it highlights a future fruit-producing tree. Jesus is mirroring the prophets in speaking about the metaphor of planting trees now, where they will not reach their full maturity until later. So again, where we tend to think of kingdom in some distant future, Jesus is saying those of old, the prophets, were planting seeds for the kingdom of heaven. Jesus keeps saying, it's here, it's right now. The distant future is already here. 
I am that holy seed. I am that shoot that rises from the stump of Jesse. The future is now. I'm walking among you. I am near. You can experience me. You can experience the kingdom of heaven. It's near. From this moment on, the kingdom of heaven is no longer far off and distant. It's here. Taste and see. Experience. Dallas Willard refines Um, the kingdom in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, so beautifully. He says, God's own kingdom, or rule, is the range of his effective will, where what he wants done is done. The person of God himself and the action of his will are the organizing principles of his kingdom. But everything that obeys those principles, whether by nature or by choice, is within his kingdom. This kingdom is among us, and it is accessible now. There is no suggestion in Scripture that the kingdom hasn't happened yet. Where God's will is being accomplished, the kingdom of God is right beside us. It is indeed the kingdom among us and within us. Christ invites us to take part in it now as partners with God in the divine conspiracy. I think that is so good. We often avoid thinking about or talking about the kingdom that Jesus talks about so much, in part because we think we need more clarity. Some brochure with pictures and the definition and rules to explicitly lay out the kingdom. And I think we also think that it's for later, not now. Therefore, though we have eyes to see this message of the kingdom and we have ears to hear this message of the kingdom, we're not really seeing it or hearing it because we think it's for later. What would change about your life today if you saw and heard and that you knew that God's kingdom was right here? What if our journey through our everyday life, centered around seeing where God's will was at work. If we look again at what Jesus said, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, they'll turn and I will hear them, heal them. Essentially, Jesus is saying, when you see, when you hear, when your hearts grasp this kingdom principle, you will be healed. When we begin to understand the kingdom of heaven, it brings healing to us. And then, as we walk in healing, we can walk with others and help them see and hear and understand so that they will find that healing too. Why do you speak to the people in parables? Parables aren't stories of someone else, right? The kingdom of heaven is not a story or an idea that happened in the distant past or in the distant future. The kingdom of heaven is something that Jesus is inviting you to step into, to participate and happen and experience right now. If you have eyes to see it, if you have ears to hear it, a heart that is open to it, 
Friends, Jesus said, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. When you see things, when you experience something, you will experience wholeness and healing. Every story about the kingdom of heaven is a story where first and foremost, God is at work all around us and he is inviting us to experience it, to participate with him. He's inviting us to respond to it. Jesus talks about the kingdom all the time. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also because this is why I was sent. If Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, how it's here, how it changes lives, I know he wants us to too. This is too good to keep to ourselves. He came so we could have life and life abundantly. And when we find that life because we're a part of the kingdom here, we just can't keep this glorious news to ourselves. We have to share it. We have to bring it. We have to gently sing the song of the kingdom to tired and broken souls so they too can experience it here, now, and then for all eternity later. This message mattered to Jesus. It mattered so much that he said it over and over. He told parable after parable about it. He brought life and he brought it to the full where heaven brushes earth on earth as it is in heaven. He brought it so we could experience it. He brought it so we could experience it and share it from the bottom of our hearts to a world that needs to experience the joy, experience the peace and the hope that the kingdom of heaven brings now and later. All over the messages of Jesus about the kingdom of heaven is an invitation to us to do two specific things, to recognize and to respond. These are our takeaway questions this week that I ask you to think about. Do you recognize the kingdom of God? Are you opening yourself up to where God is moving? Are you aware of what is happening right now in the midst of a God who isn't distant, but who sometimes is uncomfortably but preciously near? Are you willing to see it and hear it and experience it? And if you recognize it, are you responding to it? Are you participating in the kingdom? Are you letting the kingdom drive your actions today, right now? Are you willing to be near to someone, maybe even uncomfortably and preciously near, to show them what the kingdom of heaven looks like? How to experience the kingdom of heaven for themselves? That the kingdom of heaven brings joy and hope and peace and healing. 
Jesus teaches us how to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And this is why. It's a prayer to God about opening up ourselves, our minds, our hearts to his will, his work, and to experience and participate in the kingdom right now. Throughout the next three weeks, we're going to look at these short stories, these parables, and I invite you to find yourself in them. I invite you to lean into the stories of God's kingdom to change your response right now. Open yourself, your thoughts, your heart to what God is inviting you to experience and how he's inviting you to participate in the kingdom. Right here, right now, which will ultimately affect our later. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for being so passionate about the kingdom of heaven for us to change the lives of people now so we can celebrate eternity with you forever. God, you're so relational. You see us. You see how we learn. You see that we learn through, through stories and through experience. God, I pray this week that you reveal to us, that you open our eyes, open our ears to see your invitation and hear that invitation to step in, to participate with you, to recognize the kingdom of heaven, and to respond to it, Father. Amen.